Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. Aaron Rodgers is in training camp, but it's everything honky-dory in Packers. Greetings, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Packers beat reporter extraordinaire Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Hello, Rob. Well, if I could get everyone in my house to call me extraordinaire, Gary, I'd win the day here as well. So I, hey, I, uh, appreciate, I, I appreciate the intro. I hear you're an extraordinary father. You're always with your children, your <laughs> wife. I mean, they should be elated to have you around. Well, it probably depends <laughs> on the day. Yeah, exactly. I'm or horrified. I'm with with two teenage daughters. I'm getting the the don't embarrass me dad card played quite often these days. So I'm surprised they um, even acknowledge you. Yeah. (laughs) I know you 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 you've been down that road before with daughters of your own. These these next few years are going to be tricky, to say the least. But uh, but but at least you and I think the other one is extraordinary, Gary. And and I certainly reciprocate those thoughts back your way. All righty. Rob, there are a ton of topics that we could talk about uh, in regards to the Green Bay Packers. And uh, as I noted at, at the intro, they are now in training camp. And uh, the only topic that seems to be on everybody's mind, and it's been on their minds for months now, is Aaron Rodgers. And after a drama-filled offseason where there was all sorts of speculation, whether he was going to be traded or even flat-out retire, he is in camp. Packer Nation rejoices. Rob, the uh, question I posed to you is, you think uh, number 12 is happy? And is he fully focused for the upcoming season? Because if he isn't, this could be a brutal year for the Packers. Yeah, Gary, I think anybody that watched him in his 32-minute return to football press conference that he held, you know, last last week as, as we're taping this, Gary, um, probably is of the agreement and the conclusion he certainly doesn't seem ha- seem happy he he went through a long list of you know i mean it, gary his opening diatribe was was over 6 minutes in terms of you know his beef with the organization and and you know what the off season was was really all about in in terms of what had him irritated and agitated you know throughout the press conference gary that that he held that day there was never one moment where you thought he and management were going to be on good terms at all this year. You know, the, the term he used was professional and the term Brian Gutekunst used was professional when both sides were asked about their relationship. You know, again, he Rogers has talked about this many times. He, he likes the head coach. He likes his, his positional coaches. He likes his teammates. He doesn't care for management. And, and Gary, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, the two sides are, are, are going to coexist the next six months. And then when that is over, Gary, they're, they're going to, they're going to be like that couple that races to the courthouse to file the divorce papers. It's uh, um, it's, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that the, you know, this, the 2021 season will be Aaron's final one in green Bay. You know, he, he restructured his contract last weekend. We can get into that a little bit. It gave the Packers some cap relief for the 2021 season. Uh, in 2022, Gary, he will count $46 million in change against the salary cap. That is, that wow. is a number they wow. cannot handle. That is a number they will not handle um, because, Gary, they've already kicked the can down the road with several other contracts this offseason. You remember well, Gary, the, the salary cap number this year dropped dramatically. Mm-hmm. So for the Packers and everybody else in the league, you know, to get down and under the cap, they had to be creative. Well, what Green Bay did with with several veterans, you know, both Smiths, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner, David Bakhtiari, Mason Crosby, et cetera, et cetera, as they pushed a lot of that money into the future. And that bill is coming due, Gary, in 2022 on all these players, um, and they cannot afford a $46 million quarterback next year, especially one who's not happy, especially one who wants to be out of town. You know, one of, one of Roger's stipulations in terms of coming back was that, you know, the team would review his situation after the season and, and in all likelihood trade him and he will have some input on that. And, and Gary, you know, barring anything remarkably dramatic and unforeseen, that's exactly what's going to happen. 
They're going to, you know, they're going to have this awkward arranged marriage for the next six months. They're going to play it out. They're going to all chase a championship together. And then when the off season hits, you're going to see Aaron dealt to a new team and, and the Packers certainly hope to, to get back a King's ransom in terms of draft picks and players. Yeah. You know, I mean, the only time I remember this happening in sports where it was almost like a foregone conclusion that, um, it was going to be their last go around. Obviously, it was the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and, and company, and they uh, obviously made a movie, The Last Dance, on it, etc. That was interesting because I happened to be covering uh, the Bucks at the time, and I got to know Jordan a little bit over the years. And um, what they did was the players unified, and Phil Jackson, who was the head coach, kind of instigated this and he had like, it's us against them, meaning management, okay? So, so Jackson and all these guys, Jordan Pippen, Rodman, et cetera, all on the same page that we want to screw management. And, and, and that's what they did, and then it was over. But um, there, there's so many things that I want to talk about, Rogers. but let, let's break this situation down a little bit. Um, at his press conference, uh, what was it, a week or so ago, Rogers listed a bunch of Packers uh, who were let go by the team, and uh, he felt they should have uh, kept them. Do you agree with Rogers? I mean, I looked at that list, and maybe with the exception of one or two players, I, I thought Gutekunst made the uh, right call. No, you're exactly right, Gary. Tom Silverstein at the Journal Sentinel, I'll give credit. He, he did a fantastic story on that the other day. He he went player by player out of the 12 guys. And I, I think the scorecard was like nine of the players. It was a no brainer that the Packers made the right call on. There was a couple that they could have hung on to a little bit longer. And one was a coin flip, you know, Rogers obviously wants more say in personnel. Um, the, the problem that happens when you do that, Gary is, you know, the, the players are not objective. They're, they're, that that's just not part of their job description and their job duties. There's a reason management and you know this well, there's a reason management's on one floor and the players are on another floor, right? Um, the lines become very hazy when you allow players into, you know, those particular, um, you know, decisions. And for the most part, Gary, you don't see anybody in the league getting that Tom Brady a little bit right now, I guess it in Tampa Bay, but you know, when it, when it comes to specific things on, you know, Oh, should we keep this guard or that safety or that outside linebacker? No, it's, it's more the big picture stuff. And, and Aaron, Aaron wanted more of a micro more, more than a macro type deal on that. He, you know, he listed a dozen players, Gary, and I don't have the list in front of me, but I mean, just off the top of my head, you know, I mean, Randall Cobb, who they obviously brought back now last week, when they got rid of him, it was the perfect time because Randall Cobb hasn't had a completely healthy season in six years here in the, in the national football league. And, you know, last year in Houston, he had 38 catches. He's a player on the downside. John Kuhn was was absolutely done as a as, as a fullback there in Green Bay. They had drafted his replacement in, in Aaron Ripkowski. I'm trying to think, Gary, who who else may have been on that list? And and maybe you you have it, <laughs> it handy. It was such um, a memorable list that we forgot their names already. <laughs> no question. I mean, Jordy Nelson was on the list. I know Gary and and I mean, let, let's be honest, Jordy at I think Jordy's final season, Gary, in Green Bay, he averaged one and a half yards uh, after the catch. He largely caught the ball and went to the ground in the fetal position. He was he was done. He he just he just couldn't run anymore. Clay Matthews didn't have anything left. Um, Clay Matthews was on that list. He went to the Rams, I think, the following year and had three sacks or or something like that. Um, you know, Charles Woodson is a guy you could have made a case to to keep around a little bit longer, Gary. Casey mm -hmm. Hayward was one um, that you could have kept around a little bit longer or, or Micah Hyde, I think might've been on that list, but uh, Gary, the overwhelming majority, I know TJ Lang was on that list is, is coming back to me a little bit here. Um, you know, and, and TJ Lang was absolutely done. Uh, they moved on from him and Josh sitting at, at the exact perfect times, you know, Brian Balaga, I think was on that list. Brian Balaga, Gary only played about 10 games last year with the chargers. He's been an injury prone guy. You know, Gary, the recipe to putting together Super Bowl teams is not to sign guys to third contracts when they're in their 30s in the National Football League, right? You want young ascending players in their 20s on rookie deals and maybe second-year deals. With, with a lot of these guys, we're talking about third contracts, guys that were 31, 32, 33, 34 years old. I mean, Gary, by that yeah, time in the yeah, National absolutely. Football League, 
you're, you know, your ship at that point in terms of Pro Bowl level, all pro productivity, your ship has sailed. Um, and, you know, for example, Gary, had they brought back a player like Clay Matthews a few years ago, they wouldn't have had the money to sign the Smith brothers when they went out and got Zedarius and Preston. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these deals, you know, had they brought back a, a Jordy Nelson, maybe they couldn't have given Devon, Devontae Adams that four-year $58 million contract that he's into the final year of right now. So, I mean, there's, there's always dominoes with these, Gary. The, the bottom line is when you look at that list closely, Aaron Rodgers should not be a GM. Aaron Rodgers should not have GM power. I mean, you've seen it with Michael Jordan, right, in the NBA, one of the greatest players in the history of the game, and all he's put together is losing rosters for the most part right during his during his time as a general manager and uh you know or, or owner i guess right in in charlotte there there are some guys that are that are cut out to to play the game and then there's some guys cut out to make the decisions and 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 gary the guys that are playing the game should stick to playing the game until their careers are over and then figure it out from there if they have a a second career as as a general manager or owner or, or what have you um and right now I think anybody that looks at that objectively says Brian Gutekunst has done 90% of the things that he's done. Uh, I, I think you give him a thumbs up and putting together this roster and this team right now, Gary, that, that is talent laden and good enough to go win a championship. And, and if he had turned some of these decisions or brought Aaron into the room on some of these decisions, this team wouldn't look like it did. And, and they're probably, you know, a, a mid-level uh, nine and eight, 10 and seven kind of football team instead of a group that's got a pretty good chance to win 13, 14 games this season. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of hypocritical of, of Rodgers to come after Peter Coons. And, and I'm thinking, okay, the Packers went what, what they, they've gone what now? 13 and three the last two years, right? Last year, they could have been in the Super Bowl. If not for Rodgers' boneheaded decisions on the final series, you know? Um, I mean, how bad is the situation in Green Bay when you're coming off two very, very good seasons? And uh, yeah, the other thing I, I wanted to touch upon a little bit is it, you brought up Randall Cobb. Now, I'm not saying Randall Cobb is washed up, but was it worth it for the Packers to acquire him to appease Rodgers and uh, stunt the growth of Amari Rodgers, their third round draft choice? I say no, but you know who knows? Maybe maybe you'll find the uh, fountain of youth. Gary, you won't say he's washed up, so I'll say it for you. How about that? Uh, <laughs> Randall, Randall, Cobb, Randall Cobb is washed up. Um, so why would I mean? So is the bottom line that they made this trade just to appease Rogers? You know, Gary, it's really interesting when when Rogers came back and and word broke of that. I, I think it was on you know a Monday before the veterans were supposed to report on a Tuesday that that Schefter, Schefter kind of broke the news that there were four stipulations that Rogers kind of wanted uh, taking care of in terms of, of him coming back for, you know, pretty, pretty large list of demands. Gary, when you go back now and look and look at that about the only thing Rogers got when it's all said and done is, his is his pal Randall Cobb, um, you know, and, and that's great that Rogers stood up in his wedding and they go to the Kentucky Derby together, yada, yada, yada. But, but in terms of winning Super Bowls, this isn't a move that's going to help you. But, but Gary, if, if this was a move that at the end of the day brought the quarterback, you know, back to Green Bay, I think management was okay to that because, Gary, they, they really didn't cave or they really didn't give any ground on, on any of these other stipulations and, and things that Rodgers wanted. I mean, Rodgers was asked last week, you know, does he expect to have more say and you know, personnel stuff and things at the trade deadline. And, and he largely said, no, he, he doesn't expect that. They did void that final year of his contract, but largely that was done to free up some salary cap room right now. This season, Gary, I mean, the Packers now are about $12 million under the cap again, where they can go and, and, and sign a free agent or two if they want that are still lingering on the street. If they have a specific need, they can use that money to redo Devontae Adams. They can reuse that money to do Jair Alexander. It gave them a lot of options. It also made it crystal clear in, in kind of reworking that and, and voiding that 2023 season on Rogers deal that there's almost no doubt a trade will take place in the off season here of 2022, because the Packers are not going to let him play out his final season in green Bay on that contract, Gary. And obviously then just walk away. They're going to get some return 
on the investment there and, and on the asset that is Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, so Gary, when you kind of go through that, you know, piece by piece, all Rodgers got in that deal with the Packers when it's all said and done is Cobb. So, so his three months of, you know, turning this into drama central uh, throughout, not just, you know, Wisconsin, but the entire national football league, Gary, he largely threw his cards, folded his hand at the end of the day and, and came back to green Bay. I wouldn't say with his head between his tail, but he didn't get a whole lot out of this deal. Gary management was the big winner here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got Randall Cobb and, and the Packers pretty much got everything else. They got cap relief. They still have the ability to trade him and they have the MVP back to town. So to me, the big winners wound up being Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, Russ Ball, and, and Matt LaFleur, who gets one more year now to coach him. And then they'll turn him around and trade him for, for whatever they can get in, you know, the spring of 2022. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Get, getting back to my question, though, do, do you think this is going to stunt the growth of uh, Amari Rodgers? Oh, my apologies. Out of all that, out of all that <laughs> rambling and babbling, Gary, I, I didn't even. Yeah, no, 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 no apologize. Right. And it's no, 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 no. It's, 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 it's a very fair and a very, very good question. Here, here's what I'll say, Gary. My, my thoughts on this would be based on history. I, I think. 2014 may have been the last year Randall Cobb played a full 16 game season. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's been six or seven years since Cobb has played a full 16 game season. You know, they, they drafted him in the second round Gary of, of 2011. So we're talking 10 years ago, he's got to be 31, 32 years old. Then Gary, he's not going to make it a full year. And when you look at, and when you look at their group of wide receivers, all right, let, let's start with Adams, then go to MVS then go to Lazard and then quite possibly Funchess is, is maybe your four or Amari Rogers and Cobb somewhere in that mix. Yeah. Gary, if Randall Cobb is going to be active on game days, because I anticipate Amari Rogers to be the return man. If Randall Cobb is active on game days, Gary, he may have to play special teams and, and I don't know how and, wow. and where he does that. He's not gonna um, that no way. And he's going to probably in all likelihood balk at that. Yes. So Gary, I, I think there's, I think they're setting up for a situation here, you know, probably by about October or November where it's pretty clear that Amari Rogers is the better talent and the better player today than Randall Cobb, where you could actually see Randall Cobb. My prediction, Gary, is he's going to be inactive, you know, maybe the second half of the season. They're not going to play him um, nearly the amount that they are some of these other other players. The bottom line is, is they brought him in to keep the quarterback happy, but Matt LaFleur and, and, and his coaching staff week in and week out have a, have a job to do. And that first job is obviously to go win football games. And if they make the decision, Gary, that, you know, let's even say Malik Taylor is back on the team, who was a good special teams player, that Amari Rogers turns into a stud um, as, as a kick and punt returner, and he wins that job from Randall Cobb, which I, I fully expect him to do, um, that, that they keep a Devin Funches. You know, you, find, you, you tell me, where do you have room at the end of the day for Randall Cobb on, on your game day active roster? I just, you know, you, normally, Gary, on, on a given Sunday, you keep five wide receivers up and you ask four and five, it's certainly five to play special teams. Good you know, Rand, Randall Cobb's not going to be any better than four or five on, out of this group. There's no, there's no okay. question. He well, might be he might be six or seven, Gary. And now we start talking, you know, after, after a month of the season where some of this becomes crystal clear, that you've got some given Sundays where Randall Cobb is just flat out inactive. And I just wonder how that's going to sit then with the quarterback. The other thing, Gary, is I, you know, I don't know that he can physically play more than 10 to 12 games anymore. I, I think that's about what he played last year in, in Houston when he had just 38 catches and, and three touchdowns. He's, he's a guy certainly on the tail end of his career. This reminds me a lot of Donald driver uh, when they brought him back for that one kind of final honeymoon yeah. um you know tour around the league type season when whatever the year that was 2012 or or something like that and and that's in essence i think what you're going to have this year with randall cobb i mean if memory serves me gary you know that year driver had about 15 catches or or something like that i think when it's all said and done that's the level of productivity you're going to get from randall cobb but but if it makes the quarterback happy to have his pal you know you know, halfway across the locker room and they can wave to each other and, and things like that through the course of the year. That's wonderful. Well, let me uh, throw this scenario at you. What if after 
the first preseason game or the second preseason game, it's amply apparent that Randall Cobb is washed up, okay? And they decide to cut him, okay? <laughs> what happens then? <laughs> well, you probably have, you know, you've already got one, you know, a disgruntled employee playing quarterback for you, right? Now, now multiply that by about 10, his level of fury, because if, if he was that upset last summer when they got rid of a receiver in Jake Kumro, who, who I think went on and caught about two balls all last year in Buffalo, Gary, right. think what, think, think what he's going to do in terms of just his, his inner rage. Um, if, if they do say goodbye to Cobb, but, but no, you, you, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, there's no guarantees. And, and, and like we've talked about, this, this is a really deep team and a really good roster um, at a lot of positions. I mean, I've, I've been trying to put together my own 53 the last day or two, Gary, and, and I have Cobb on it just because I think they're going to do whatever they can to keep the quarterback happy and keep the peace, you know, for the next six months until they file divorce papers. But, um, at, you know, Gary, at the moment, I mean, they, they are extremely deep at a, at a number of positions. And, and honestly, by keeping a guy like Randall Cobb, if Gary, we, we, we discover through the course of the preseason, he is done and, and, and he may not deserve a roster spot. You're, you're, you're going to be cutting somewhere a pretty good player. They're deep on the O-line. They're deep in the secondary. Um, you know, that they are deep at wide receiver, like we just touched on. I mean, there's a lot of years they only keep five. And we just touched on seven at least that, you know, would have a chance to make this team. They're, they're going to cut an Equinemia St. Brown. They're going to cut a Malik Taylor, somebody like that to, uh, to make room at the end of the day for, for Randall Cobb. So, you know, Gary, I don't anticipate that happening. I don't think they would have made the trade if they really thought long-term they were going to, they were going to have to whack him, uh, you know, come the first week of September but Gary, like you said, if, if, if it is crystal clear and apparent that, that some of these other guys are dramatically better than him, I mean, they, they, they could have World War III on their hands with the quarterback. Yeah, and, and if you keep them, you're, you're sending the wrong message to everybody else on that roster. That, that well, is, probably, you, Gary, they've probably already sent the wrong message by acquiring him, Probably, right? probably. Yeah. I mean, right, right, right there, there was, a, was a tricky can of worms, you know. I mean, the, the one thing I said last week is at least when Brett Favre stuck his nose and, and, and was loud on personnel decisions late in his career, he wanted Randy Moss, right? I mean, he wanted, he wanted arguably, you know, one of the top three receivers in the history of this game, right? Mm -hmm. he, didn't, he didn't want a slot guy at 32 years old who who might catch two passes a game he he wanted a difference maker you remember when when Favre lobbied openly for for Moss in in the spring of 07 and desperately wanted him so um again I thought Favre was out of line then Gary I really did I just I don't I don't think players um should have input on personnel I just I just think there's such biases I think it creates um a, a really uncomfortable situation in that locker room if you know, if guys know they're on the bubble, um, you know, are, are, are they leaving fruit baskets at Aaron's Aaron's locker every single day? But, you know, back in the day, were they, were they bringing bread a six pack? I mean, you, you, I mean, <laughs> let, let, I mean, right. I mean, it, it just it really creates um, unnecessary issues, I think, inside your building. I, I again, I just I've always been of the belief management stays management, players stay players. And, you know, should have they given Aaron a phone call before taking Jordan Love? Maybe. Um, you know, but, but should they allow him to decide who the starting left guard is and, and, you know, who the two safeties are on the roster after, you know, Savage and Amos? Absolutely not. That's that, 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 that's for Brian Gutekunst, you know, that, that, that's for the rest of the front office. That's for the coaching staff. And, um, you know, it, with, with, you know, just specifically Gary, you know, back to Randall Cobb, I, I think it opened a can of worms, but but it's, it's probably going to be a one-year deal. And I don't know, Gary, if, if, if you listen closely to Gutekunst, he did a press conference last Wednesday. Rogers talked then later that day. And Gutekunst, that, that's when Rogers had his 32-minute diatribe, right. um, you know, where he blasted pretty much everybody for everything and, and never takes any fault of his own. Um, and then he Gutekunst comes back the following day and, and addresses some of Rogers' things and talks about the Cobb trade because overnight it had become official. And I found it really interesting. And, and this was almost, I, I felt Gutekunst, not, not just talking to his, his own fan base, but really talking to the other 31 general managers. He made it a point to consistently say, 
we did this for Aaron. We did this for Aaron because I think inside his own circles, Carrie, I, I think inside the league, you know, other general managers look at that trade just on that trade itself and say, you know, what is this guy doing? You know, how, how is he qualified to run a football team if he's giving up a draft pick for that particular player who at the time had an $8 million salary cap hit. Now they took it down to about 3 million doing, doing some, you know, adjustments and having Cobb take a little bit less and things like that. But I really felt Gutekunst was talking to his own peers saying, hey, I'm doing this for the quarterback. It was the way to get the quarterback back here into town. I understand this isn't a very good football player at this stage of his career. I'm, I'm not an idiot to give up a mid-round draft pick, you know, for this, yeah. for this subpar yeah. football player. What I would like to see clarified is whether Rodgers – you know, those comments came out over the summer about how Rod, Rogers was upset with Gutekunst and he, he compared him to, uh, you know, Jerry Krause of the Bulls. And, you know, if, if that emanated from Rogers' mouth or if it was just pure gossip, but if, but if it did emanate from Rogers' mouth, I, I really think he owes Gutekunst an apology, you know, because Gutekunst is a good general manager. It's not like he's a stiff, you know? I mean, the guy went out and he drafted Jenkins and Alexander and uh, Darnell Savage. He signs uh, Zadaria Smith, Preston Smith, Billy Turner, and, and yeah, I'm missing a bunch of guys, but he's done a hell of a job in my opinion. Couldn't agree with you more. He took over an aging, not overly talented roster from Ted Thompson. I mean, let's be honest. Ted's, Ted's last couple of years – Ted was not as sharp as he was in his early years. And, and this team was heading south in a hurry, Gary. They were coming off the 7-9 and nine season when Rodgers broke his collarbone in, in 17 when, uh, when, when Gutekunst took it over. They went 6-9-1 and one in 18. They had, you know, they, they had all the drama when Rodgers wanted Mike McCarthy gone. And he wound up getting his wish. And, and they fired McCarthy that year at, after 12 games. And, um, you know, famously, then they, they hired Matt LaFleur and, you know, Mark Murphy on the on the phone with Aaron Rodgers at the time. You know, this is, a, you know, according to a really credible writer, a, a terrific, you know, journalist, Tyler Dunn, who now has his own website, you know, quotes, uh, quotes somebody inside the building as, as, as Murphy at the time telling Rodgers, don't be the problem. And um, from that point on, Gary, they, they've really turned it around because of the general manager as much as anything. You touched on the draft picks. I mean, he hit it out of the park with with Jair Alexander, with with, with Elton Jenkins, with Savage. I, I think Gary's going to have I, – I, I'm a big believer in Gary these days, um, Gary Wolfel. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> that, that I think he's going to push double-digit sacks this year. I mean, yeah. his draft picks overall, and if Jordan Love can play, I mean, he, you know, he, he's going to have a Super Bowl roster for the next decade. You know, he, he, Gary, let, let's go back to, you know, March of what would it be, 2019. He signs four free agents on a Tuesday, you know, in the middle of March, that first day of free agency. And, and he, you could certainly make the case he, he, went four for four. Um, Zadarius Smith is third in the league in sacks in the last two years. Preston Smith had an outstanding first year. Wasn't as good last year. Now renegotiated his contract to stick around for a third season. Adrian Amos ranked among the top two or three safeties um, in the league last year. And, and Billy Turner's versatility has been an enormous plus and positive for, for that offensive line. If, if they could ever get him to just settle in at right tackle, Gary, I think he'd be a beat plus player just at right tackle, but they keep moving him around um, due to injuries and things like that. So Gutekunst totally took over an aging, you know, I don't want to say talentless, but it wasn't a particularly gifted roster at the time. There were a ton of coaching, you know, opportunities. Uh, I think there were about eight, eight or nine coaching openings that year. And I remember I, I called a few guys around the league, Gary, and they told me Green Bay, they ranked about sixth or seventh just because the roster outside of Rogers wasn't very good. Well, Gutekunst has revamped that roster and he's had him on the brink of a Super Bowl the last two seasons. And you could certainly point to the quarterback not playing well again in back-to-back -back NFC championship games as a major reason they didn't go to the Super Bowl. So, uh, no, Gutekunst to me, Gary, has done yeoman's work. Uh, they're set up to make a run again this year. 
And if Jordan Love can play Gary, they're set up to make a run for the next several yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I, I'm Rodgers, theoretically, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I couldn't praise Gutekunst enough. I mean, he's helped resurrect my career by putting good players around me. You know, you, you can nitpick and say, hey, he didn't get a receiver here or something there. But my goodness, in the last two or three years, he, he's, he's built that team into, you know, a legitimately title contending one. And uh, Rodgers should be thankful. Uh, I mean, it, it's too bad it's going to end this way, but, uh, you know, that's the way it is. Gary, the defense last year for the first time in a decade cracked the top 10. Okay. People yell and scream and whine all the time about the defense. It wound up being a top 10 defense that intercepted Tom Brady three times in the second half of the NFC championship game. And what did the quarterback do with those three turnovers, Gary? He had two, three and outs and he had one touchdown. That's not good enough. That's not super low level play. You know, what did the quarterback do on third down from the eight yard line when it was him against the Nadama Kansu? Um, you know, on, in a foot race to take that score from 31-23 to 31-29. He made a business decision in my mind, Gary, and he threw it to Devontae Adams in double coverage. And instead of trying to beat Sue to the goal line, um, he threw incomplete, and Matt LaFleur on fourth down kicked the field goal. Now, even Gary, if Rodgers gets tackled in that on that play at the three, at the two, at the one, at the four, LaFleur is going to go for it. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And Rodgers had an angle. Dominican Sue is 34 years old. He's 330 pounds. I mean, Rogers should beat him to the end zone, even though I know Rogers has lost a step or two along the way, you know, look at the rest of that roster, Gary. He's got a top five running back undoubtedly in Aaron Jones. He probably has the best wide receiver in football in Devonte Adams. He had a tight end last year, catch 11 touchdowns and Robert Tanyan. Um, he's got the best left tackle in football. Elton Jenkins, Gary is, is on his way to going, the five, six, seven, eight Pro Bowls at, at some point, uh, you know, before this is all said and done. He's an elite high-level offensive lineman. I mean, Gary, think about this. Since Rodgers took over as the starter in 2008, they have had eight different, eight different offensive linemen, offensive linemen go to the Pro Bowl. Eight wow. different guys. That, that, you know, that, so now that's impressive. It's, it's, I, it's, I would have never thought that. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, yeah. Ted, Ted, Ted was outstanding at, at, at picking offensive linemen and wide receivers. And Brian Gutekunst has been pretty good uh, as well in terms of getting that position short up. I mean, last year, Rodgers was sacked the fewest amount of times in, in his career. So you're, you're spot on, Gary, that, that the rest of this – I mean, Mason Crosby didn't miss a, a field goal last year. I know the rest of the special teams have, have continued to be a problem, but Crosby's a, a high-level kicker. I mean, Gary, this – this is a championship roster. It wasn't even close to that two or three years ago, you know, when, when Gutekunst kind of inherited that mess from Ted Thompson and uh, he turned it around pretty quickly. And, and I'm with you, Aaron Rodgers every day should have been telling Brian Gutekunst, I appreciate you getting this guy and that guy and that guy and this guy, because it's given me a chance again for a second Super Bowl. I, I do wonder Gary, when this is all said and done, you know, when, when Rodgers writes his, his autobiography, uh, when that's written or when Rogers is, you know, in Denver next year and he, and he totally unloads and he tells 10 stories of what really had him ticked off, how much more there was behind the scenes in terms of why he doesn't care for this general manager. But when it comes to just looking at the players and what they've put on the field for this quarterback, it is more than enough to go win the Lombardi trophy. Yeah. You think uh, Matt Stafford wouldn't wouldn't have mind uh, some of those moves in Detroit in the last couple of years? You know, my guy Stafford, he's, re- guy he's Stafford. ready to chase one Gary in LA now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you were talking about that uh, final series where, where Rogers rolled out to me, that was a microcosm to me of where Aaron Rodgers is in his career. I, I hearken back to the days when John Elway was kind of in a similar situation and he goes, you know what? I'm going for the touchdown hell or high water. Right. Remember that? And he gets upended in the end zone. And he still scores. Rogers wouldn't put his put his body on the line. You know, he, he took the to me. He took the easy way out. And um, no, I was just very very disappointed to see him make that that decision at that time. And Gary, that's why I call that a business decision. And that, that yes. that's really what that was. That 
that wasn't putting it on the line. I mean, the play you reference, of, of course, brings back nightmares for, for Packer Nation, right? I mean, as, yeah, as no, Elway no question. Had, had that run in Super Bowl 32 and and was, you know, kind of helicoptered around before he before right he hit the land. ground. But that but, was but Rob, doesn't play. That, and, didn't, didn't that play, though, illustrate how badly John Elway wanted to win? Like, like he was going to do anything it took to score that touchdown. Anything possible. You're, you're spot on Gary. And, and that was Elway's first championship, right? And the, the, that was in Super Bowl 32 and came back the next year and they beat the Falcons in Super Bowl 33. And he, and he left with two rings. And, and at that point in time, he, he still didn't have any. And, and, and it does make you wonder, you know, Gary, just, you know, you touched on it at the start of the show. I, now, I, I'm of the belief Aaron Rodgers will be all in this year. And, and it, and he said that now a few times, and I, I think he'll get high level play. I'd be surprised though, Gary, you know, if you get MVP level play again out of him this year, there's just, mm-hmm. there's, it, I think there are just too many, too many things that are still unsettled at this point in time. I think there are too many grudges inside that building. You know, he knows it's his last six months now in, in green Bay, he knows he's largely auditioning for 31 other teams. You do wonder if he, you know, if he turns an ankle, if he tweaks a knee, if he, if he, if he bangs an elbow, yep. um, things he yep. would have played through in past years. Will he play through those this time around for an organization? He, he, you know, largely despises at this point in time um, or will, will his quote unquote love for his coaches and teammates and, and, you know, the, the people he goes to work with every day, kind of trump the fact he dislikes management to such a degree it's, it's going to be a fascinating year gary and in green bay all eyes will be on the packers um i think league-wide whether they're you know 11 and 0 or 4 and 7 at one point in time right this is this is the story of the year in the national football league can these two sides you know try to coexist and chase a championship or is this going to blow up before they trade Aaron in March it's 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 going to be it's going to be fascinating Gary on a day-to-day basis well you, you know if you're good at Koontz if you're Murphy or anybody in a position of authority in Green Bay you just hope and pray that Rodgers doesn't have a crappy year because they you know they could have traded him this past off season when he was coming off an MVP year I mean he looked like he was the best quarterback in football I mean, they could have got a ton for that guy. What, what if he regresses, you know, and, and has just a so-so year? Do you think they're going to get anything nearly as good as they would have gotten this past summer? I, I doubt it. No, and, and we know Aaron Aaron well, right, Gary? He's a grudge holder. And, oh, and no, if, no if, doubt about it. Yep. Let, let, I mean, let, let's go back to that 2018 year, for example. And I think anybody that's honest about it, you know, that, that was the year he, he really wanted McCarthy gone, wound up getting his wish late in the season. Um, the, 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 the two were, were just kind of done. And I think McCarthy did everything he could to try to keep that relationship positive and alive. And, and Rogers had kind of slammed the door on that. And Gary, if you go back and look at Rogers play that particular year, Again, not, not his play necessarily and compare it to, you know, everybody else in the league, but, but hold it to the Aaron Rodgers standard, right? With the MVP level standard of, of, of MVPs in 2011 and 14 and even last year. I mean, I think, I think Gary, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he was 25 touchdowns is all that particular year. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's about. I mean, he had 48, for example, last year, and that was a career high. So 25 is about half of that. But his average, his average year was pushing 40, Gary. So, you know, he's, he's 62, 63% of a normal season in terms of that. People, I, I, I mean, Gary, there were throws that were so basic and pedestrian that year for Aaron Rodgers to make that he would, he would bounce on the turf to receivers where you'd scratch your head and say, you know, what's going on? Is he dinged up? Is he, is he fully recovered from that collarbone? Uh, I mean, he and McCarthy were just never in sync. You could tell he didn't, he didn't want the head coach there. He didn't want to listen to him anymore. And, and Gary, it carried over to his play on the field. And that's going to be the question this year. Will that again, will this, will this grudge that's going to continue to exist with him and management, you know, a grudge that I'm, I'm, I'm sure he thought, you know, would, would be in the past by now, Gary, because I'm sure in his mind, he was hoping he'd be on a different 
football team in 2021, but he was just a guy who was completely out of options. He had, he had no cards left to play in this, you know, or, or moves in this chess match. And, and he had to come back for one more season. It, it, Gary, if like we touched on at the start of the show, if he is an unhappy camper all season long, if, if you know, if, if, if he doesn't want to be there, is that going to show, is that going to reflect on the field? It very well could. And, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're talking after the MVP season, Gary, they probably could have gotten, my guess is four, four draft picks, you know, in the top two or three rounds and a player or two for Rogers. Gary, like you said, if he goes back and he's a, a 25 touchdown guy, if he completes 62% of his passes this year, instead of 70, which he was last year, um, if he takes a ton of sacks, if he gets dinged up a little bit, Gary, right? If he's coming off any kind of injury, now all of a sudden, maybe you're talking a one and a three for the guy instead of four or five draft picks. So when this all went down, Gary, you know, back in February and March, I'll be honest, if I was Gutekunst, I would have moved him at the time and I would have started the Jordan Love era a year earlier than they wanted to just because you could have gotten so much at that point in time for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Packers, you know, the Packers rolled the dice. This is a risky deal on their end as well because, like you said, Gary, there is certainly no guarantee that in March of 2022 you can get, you know, the same same level of return on the Aaron Rodgers card that you could have in, in March of 2021. Yeah, I mean, not only a productivity standpoint, he's a year older, you know, it, it doesn't right. help your cause. You know, just uh, one last thing from my standpoint on Rodgers, you know, after seeing how Brett Favre turned into a diva and how Rodgers has become a diva, Rob, I have a greater appreciation for Bart Starr. <laughs> Call me old school or whatever, but Bart Starr was just so classy. I mean, he exhibited class throughout his whole career. You would have never, ever seen these type of scenarios, you know, with him. And, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate Favre and Rogers, you know, didn't learn a thing or two along the way from Bart Starr. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. A lot of, a lot of the guys who I know who covered the Packers, Gary, in the late 70s and the early 80s don't have as many nice things to say about Bart Starr from a coaching standpoint, yeah, exactly. he, he had some nasty feuds right. at that time with, with the media. If you, if you remember that well, yep, but, yeah, but specifically to his years as a player, he was the epitome of class and really Gary, he was the epitome of class again, once he was done coaching. I mean, he went head to head with the media. I know on that in, you know, over in green Bay, pretty hard for, for a number of years. And, and he was dealt, a, he was dealt kind of a crappy hand after that John Hadle trade left him, you know, devoid of draft picks when he first got there. It was a, it was, it was really a tough rebuild, but um, you know, he had nine years to try to get it done. He never could as a, as a head coach, um, you know, get him really over the hump, but as a player, Gary, yes, he was the epitome yeah. of class as a man. He was the epitome of class. Certainly, you know, it, it, he, he'll be remembered that way forever by, by Packer nation. The difference Gary, I'll say on, on the Favre Rogers thing to me, and, and yes, Favre drove people nuts every offseason. Will he come back? Won't he come back? You know, he needed the general manager to, to consistently give him a hug and tell him how loved he was and things like that. He, he, he was a very needy superstar. There's, there's no question about that. But, but Gary, even after Favre retired in March of 08 and then a few months later decided, you know, he was going to unretire. The difference to me is Brett Favre wanted back in the building. Brett Favre still wanted to be a Packer. In this situation, Aaron wants out. Aaron wants to go somewhere else. And, um, and he eventually will. And Brett eventually did as well. You know, the Packers, the Packers had made the decision, obviously, back in the summer of 08 to move on um, and, and turn things over from Favre to Rodgers. And, and the decision was perfect, Gary. It was, you know, it, it gave them 15 straight years here, 15 more years of, of winning football, or 14 it'll be if, you know, Rodgers has another successful season and this, and this group does as well. And, and that, and that, you know, that page is going to turn again next off season, Gary, when they turn it over to Jordan love and, and, you know, Brian Gutekunst needs to be right. And if he's right they're they're going to have another decade of, of really good football, Gary, because the rest of that roster, like we've touched on is awfully good right now. And Gutekunst has proven, you know, that, that he can get it done and he's going to have, you know, we, we're talking next year, Jordan Love's going to make $3.3 million, Gary, and Aaron Rodgers is on the books for $46 million. There's going to be, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. going to be a little bit of money now floating around where you can address some, some other positions. 
you are right, Gary, that, that, that it's unfortunate when, when the books are written on Favre and Rogers, that, that there will always be a chapter on, on the ugly ending and the messy divorces when, when it was all said and done. Um, I thought Aaron would have learned more from sitting behind Brett and watching that whole Brett thing unfold. Aaron and I have had talks about that Gary through the years. Um, I think I talked to him in about 2015 already, you know, what are you going to do when they draft your replacement? And, um, I, I, I vividly, you know, it's in one of the books I wrote, he, you know, he, he gave me a comment along the lines for that book, Gary, something like, you know, I'm not sure how I'll handle it, but I, but I'm pretty sure I'll handle it better than Brett did. Well, the bottom line, Gary, is he, he hasn't, you can argue he handled it worse. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's going to taint his legacy. I, you know, I, I've always been of the belief, um, and maybe it's just because of my age bracket, Gary, and in, in terms of where, you know, where I fall and who I grew up watching, but I was, I've, I've always been of the belief, you know, Brett Favre had, had a higher level of popularity in this state than Aaron did largely because Brett was just a man of the people. And Aaron's mm-hmm. been a little bit more distant, I think, you know, from the fan base, you, you know, everything possible about, about Brett and, and the Favre and the Favre family, right. From, from Irv and, and Mima and, and, and Scott and, and Brittany. I mean, the, the whole clan, you knew yeah. the Farbs. They were, they were, they were almost like part of your own family. That's never been the case with Aaron. He, he's, he's kept people more at guard and, you know, keep that. I, I think people, Gary, were, were, were quick then, maybe not quick, but, but they were, they were more willing to forgive Favre, you know, three, four years after the Viking situation ended. And, and we'll see, you know, where Aaron goes next year, just how he's going to be received long-term down the road back in green Bay. I don't think Brian Gutekunst is going to be viewed as a villain in any of this Gary. Um, you know, I, I think about two to one through the course of this, this off season, people sided with management here, not Aaron. And um, so it, it's going to be really interesting, Gary, moving forward, uh, how Aaron, the rest of Aaron's career plays out and just how Packer nation kind of views and receives him in the future. So you're saying that uh, Brett Favre is part of the Clampett family and, uh, Aaron Rodgers was part of the Kardashian family. <laughs> well, since Aaron doesn't talk to his family, it's harder to get to know his group, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, now you brought up another topic, and I don't want to belabor this Rodgers thing anymore. But some of the comments that he just made were, were just ridiculous. Uh, and, and, again, he, he, has to have, he has to have a meeting with Gutekunst. And I think, you know what, I think would really win over the PR thing. And his ego probably wouldn't let, would, would prevent him from doing this, but just publicly coming out and apologizing and saying, hey, I, I owe Brian Gutekunst an apology and let's move on, you know. But uh, that, that, that's not going to happen. Well, it, it would be the first one that he's made in his 17 years now in Green Bay, I think, because I don't. That, 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 that's just not his nature and it's not his character. It's funny you said that, Gary, because, you know, one of, you know, one of the toadies that, that is on the radio every single day and, and, and is kind of a Rogers mouthpiece came out, I don't know, a few months back and said, Gutekun should apologize to Rogers. Oh, and I, I, and I, I laughed so hard. And I, I said, I said, for, for what, for, for trying to protect the long-term interests of this franchise when, when there, there's a quarterback on the board that you believe, you know, could be the next great quarterback in Green Bay, and you, and you take that quarterback at number 26. I mean, it's, it's so comical that, you know, that, 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 that the Rogers fanboys and jock sniffers and, you know, the, there's a couple in the media, there's one that, that, that's just sinfully awful and uh, you know, take that approach that the GM should apologize to the player. Um, if you know what Gary, the GM's not doing his job. If he, if he's not trying to get better um, you know, in, inside every positional group, every single year and every single off season. And, and you know how these, every league is like this, Gary, right. He, you know, eventually and you know who that is, right? If it's Brett Favre, if it's Aaron Rodgers, if it's, you know, Marco Rivera, if it's Amon Green, if it's Aaron Campman, if it's Devontae Adams, they're always trying to find a better you long-term. And that's what Gutekunst did here. That's what he gets paid to do. Um, and, and I'm with you, Gary. When, when you look at how, you know, tedious and, and, you know, kind of, I don't know, juvenile almost some of these complaints are that Rodgers has had, um, and does have still with the organization, you know, very pedestrian. I'm with you. 
it, he, he would probably win the PR war if he came out and said, I was wrong here. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but, but that will never happen. That's not who he is. That that's not his character. You know, well, I, I it said, sets up for a very interesting six months. I, I, I strongly suggest that and, and just clear the air and move on and say, you know what, this could be our last dance, but let's make a great one. You know, I mean, can you imagine how Packer nation would rally around him? Hey, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, but again, that's, you know, we can go through, I mean, this guy is an all time legendary grudge holder, right? I mean, he was, he was ticked off at colleges coming off, coming out of, of high school that, that, you know, that nobody offered him and he had to go the Juco route. You know, he, he, he was ticked off at 21 NFL teams that, that passed on him in the, in the 2005 draft, he went number 24, two of those teams passed on him twice. Gary, he was, you know, so he's, so he's got grudges against 21 teams. He, he has an enormous grudge against Mike McCarthy when Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, comes into, into green Bay because Mike McCarthy was part of the San Francisco group that, that passed on him. And then number one in the draft when, when they went Alex Smith, um, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, Gary, he, he did a one-year boycott of the green Bay press gazette because he didn't like some stuff <laughs> that the press gazette was writing about him at the time. So he didn't talk to that newspaper. Sorry. You know, he doesn't talk to his own family. You know, now he's mad at the general manager. I mean, he, again, he's a legendary grudge holder. And, and so, you, you know, what you suggested there, Gary makes perfect sense to the, to the, to the average layman out there. Um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't work that way. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers will keep this grudge all season long. Maybe he feels it'll fuel him that he's pissed off at Gutekunst all season long. And, and maybe Murphy and somebody else up there in the front office who, you know, looked at him the wrong way at one point in time. And, and now he's upset about that. But, uh, you know, it, when, when it's all said and done, Gary, don't expect him to get to a microphone or a podium and, and say sorry for anything to anybody. Yeah. You know, personally, I hope things end well for him because, I mean, he's meant a lot to that organization. He's met, meant a lot to the fans. For the most part, he's been good with the media. Uh, I think in the media, you know, we can talk about that, that all day and how some of these guys just love being around stars and they lose their objectivity and so forth. But I, I really hope it ends well for him. And uh, it's just going to be fun watching how this all unfolds. And, you know, and, and if he winds up in the right place, Gary, it certainly has a great chance to end up well for him. I don't know if he ends up with another Super Bowl because you look right now at both conferences, right? I mean, Tampa Bay is stacked and loaded and they have the greatest quarterback. They have the greatest player in the history of the game. They, they might have the greatest player in the history of team sports. Right. And Tom Brady yeah, who shows no, no signs no of, of slowing down and, and he's got a roster that's unbelievable surrounding him. And then in the other conference, mm-hmm. I mean, who's getting by Patrick Mahomes in that group over the next five years? Um, it, it, it's going to, you know, it, it, it's going to take a, you know, a, a pretty remarkably gifted team to go ahead and do that. And if let's just say that, you know, let, let's just use two or three real quick ones, Gary, let's say he goes to Denver and it costs John Elway three or four draft picks, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be hard for the Broncos to surround Rodgers with terrific talent. A team like the Dolphins are loaded with draft capital over the next, you know, two or three years because they, you know, they, they, they sent an offensive tackle to the, to the Texans a couple of years ago and, and, and Houston with a, with a clueless general manager gave a, a boatload of draft picks back. So, you know, Miami is, is sitting pretty, but, but do they have a good enough roster then to, to say compete with not just Buffalo inside their own division, but, you know, to, to, to pass the chiefs, to, to pass some other people in, in that conference, you know, Gary, he's not staying in the NFC when it's all said and done. They're, they're, they're not sending them, you know, even to a team, I think like the giants or San Francisco, you know, that somebody out of division. Um, I don't think they'll let him stay inside the conference. He's going to end up in the AFC. Um, and Gary, I, I, you know, I, I think it'll be a tall task for him to try to ever get back to a Super Bowl because wherever he winds up, that team's going to have to give up quite a bit to, to get him. But um, yeah, you know, wherever he is next year, Gary, that that'll be the story of 2022, right? Can, can, can Aaron Rodgers, much like Peyton Manning when he first went to Denver, can Aaron Rodgers do what, you know, a Peyton Manning did late in his career and go win another Super Bowl with his next team? 
Rob, this is going to just be a fun ride. <laughs> Every week, there's going to be some kind of an angle with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I can't wait. Hey, uh, let, let's just end our uh, podcast uh, with, with this question. Every year, there seems to be one player that kind of emerges from training camp and goes on to make some kind of an impact during the regular season. Uh, last year, it was Chris Barnes, the linebacker. I mean, nobody saw that coming. He had some very, very good games, and, and he was a key contributor. Do you see anybody uh, fitting that bill during this training camp? Well, we're obviously early, Gary. It's only pre- They've only had five practices when right, you and I right. are recording this, and they haven't put pads on yet. Um, I know it's the way, way, way too early question, but you it's, never it's know. A very, it's a very fair one. Um, I'm going to bounce a couple names off you. Um, and a couple of these guys, Gary, are, I think are already semi-established or totally established as really good football players, but I think they're going to take an even bigger jump. I'm, I'm going to start with Chris Barnes, who I think is going to win and, and maybe pretty easily one of the inside linebacker jobs. Barnes talked yesterday. You and I are talking on a Tuesday. So Barnes talked on Monday, the 2nd of August about one of his goals is to lead uh, the NFL in tackles. Gary, he, he, he's looked, he's looked sharp. He's, he's, um, you know, mentally he's completely caught up as, you know, in terms of where his physical skills are now too. He doesn't have to think on the field. Um, you know, he's on a power mentally right now and physically you remember last year, he made quite a splash when he came in, um, didn't make the initial 53 man was cut, uh, brought back a day or two later and wound up starting week one in Minnesota and tied for the team lead in tackles, uh, undrafted kid out of, out of UCLA Gary. I just think he takes the next step. I think he becomes their number one inside linebacker. He's wearing the defensive headset right now in terms of play calling and, and things like that. So you're going to see, I think you're going to see the maturation and the growth of Chris Barnes, who I know you love. Um, I think he takes another step forward. Um, we all know how good Elton Jenkins is Gary. He's been even better at the really? start of this training camp because they've had to move him from left guard to left tackle with uh, David Bakhtiari, uh, the uncertainty on his torn ACL, uh, which if everybody remembers right, came around Christmas time uh, last year, right before the Packers played the Bears in, in week 17. You know, so Bakhtiari in all likelihood, Gary, I mean, if he's back on the field anytime before October, I guess I'd be surprised, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the start of September here, we're only looking at eight months. Um, so I, I think we're, you know, we're talking four to eight games, maybe that Bakhtiari winds up missing last year when the playoffs hit Gary, you remember they screwed around and, and then they, they wound up eventually moving Billy Turner out there to, to left tackle. And then mm-hmm. they played Ricky Wagner at right tackle and, and, and things went okay, Gary, for that, week 17 game against the bears and then the playoff game against the Rams. But it, it, it was a debacle against the, the Buccaneers in, in the NFC championship game. Um, they're not going to take that path this year, Gary Elton Jenkins will be the left tackle uh, in, you know, if, if Bakhtiari cannot go Jenkins will be the left tackle uh, week one, when they go down to New Orleans and, and play that game and they'll figure out the guard situation from there, but Jen- they're going to leave Billy Turner alone at right tackle Jenkins is going to bounce out at left tackle and Gary so far in camp, he has just been a, a wall. Nobody can get by him. He stonewalls everybody. Really? He's, he, wow. he is a player, Gary, that no matter where you put him, I think is an elite level football player in this league. I mean, who, go back who, to that 2019 draft. Gutekunst hit a home run on him. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. When you look at that draft, Savage, Gary and Jenkins, man, what a draft Gutekunst had in, in 2019. He's got three of his best 15 football players right now uh, from that draft. And, and Gary Jenkins could be a top, you know, five, top eight football player on, on this team this year. You know, he, he's taken the next step. And, and I think they'll feel absolutely fine if he has to play a month at left tackle. And Gary, the third one to really keep an eye on is the first round draft pick to me, Eric Stokes. Kevin King hasn't played yet, Gary. He's he, he, he's on the injured list at, at this point in time. And, and Stokes is getting all that work with the number ones. They're not going to cut Kevin King, but it would shock me. It wouldn't shock me, Gary, if Stokes does enough 
this summer to, to win that job. I, the last impression, the last film anybody has, we all know on Kevin King is that dreadful, dreadful NFC championship game, right? Where Scotty Miller ran by him for a 40 yard touchdown right before half where he gave up a second touchdown in that game to, to Michael Evans and, and, and where he had the PI late in the game when the Packers were trying to get the football back where he had the pass interference call that, that gave Brady the opportunity then to, to run out the clock. Gary, that was, that was one of the poorest performances maybe in team history in a big game uh, that Kevin King had in, in that uh, 2020 NFC championship game. Stokes is a four two nine kid, Gary, that makes up for a lot of sins. They want, they want to get him on the field as soon as possible. He's been picked on a little bit early in this, in this camp. Um, you know, but again, Devonte Adams picks on everybody. So if, uh, if, if, if Eric Stokes can, can get through camp, um, you know, take some of these lumps and, and come out on the other side better for it, Gary, don't be shocked if he's a week one starter when this team goes to New Orleans. Well, I, I, I think that would be fantastic news for the Packers if that, if that does occur, because they could throw King as their fifth back or sixth back, and it just makes their secondary all the uh, stronger. And uh, in today's NFL, in today's NFL pass happy league, man, you can't have enough good DBs. So I, I think that could uh, turn out really well for them as well. Yeah, Gary, they're, they're deep back there. You know, they're deep in a lot of spots and, and don't be shocked if they make, you know, a couple of trades when the trade deadline, you know, or the cut down day arrives and, and you, you know, rather than cut certain guys, move a player for a fourth, a fifth, a sixth round draft pick. They brought Kevin King back on a one-year $5 million contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this is it for him kind of either way that, uh, you know, moving forward, they're, they're going to, they're going to play corner and for the next three or four years with Jair Alexander and, and Stokes lining up as, as the one, two. And, you know, if, if Stokes turns out to be a decent player, Gary, they're, they're set in the secondary for quite a while because we saw the growth last year of Savage. Adrian Amos is a, a pretty savvy veteran. Um, they're really set back there. They've got some depth that King could be a guy, you know, I, I again, I, I said they won't cut him, but maybe he's a guy they could trade at cut down day and, and you know, get back a, a pick for him because, you know, you're down to one year with him anyhow. Well, I'll tell you what, if I trade for any position though, Rob, or if I still have money to go out and get a, get a free agent, I get another offensive lineman. That that is the last area you want to be really weak in, and uh, I, I think that's a glaring need for the Packers yet. Unless some of these young guys, you know, develop, you know, who knows? Maybe you know the Packers uh, have enough faith in them. But uh, if, if there's still any kind of a good offensive lineman out there, I would definitely make a run at them. Yeah, you saw last week, Gary, they went out and got a guy who Matt LaFleur knows well, a, a tackle named Dennis Kelly out of, you know, he's bounced around the league a little bit, but LaFleur and he crossed paths for a couple of years in, in Tennessee. And and he's a guy who, who will make the roster in all likelihood, a kind of a savvy veteran. Their problem, Gary, you know, when you look going into the season could be on the interior where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I would, you know, let, let's just assume Bakhtiari's not healthy and Jenkins has to jump out to left tackle. You know, Gary, at this point in time, I would assume the interior is going to be, you know, John Runyon at left guard, uh, second year guy who really hasn't played much, about 150 snaps last year. Uh, they'll have a rookie center in Josh Myers, the second round pick out of Ohio State. So there's going to be a lot on his plate, you know, from day one. I think the kid's going to turn out to be a really good player, but it, it's going to be tough for him right away to come in and, and hold his own as a rookie. And then Lucas Patrick at, at right guard, Gary, is really, let's, let's be honest, he's a pretty average starter at best. Yeah. And if you're scouting and trying to beat Green Bay and trying to get Rodgers knocked out on the ground 10 times a game, how are you doing it? You're coming right up the middle. Absolutely. And um, I, I think they'll hold up okay on the outside, Gary, but the middle becomes an issue. And um, I'm with you, you know, if, if you feel you are deep at some positions, if you have, you know, if you have an asset or two to trade rather than cut and they can go out and get themselves another guard or something like that along the way, don't be shocked to see Brian Gutekunst do that. Rob, I, I can't believe we're, we're crossing the goal line here for this podcast. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add that we didn't touch upon? We'll be uh, chatting in a few more weeks. And then of course, during the regular season, we'll be, chatting every week and uh, my, my, like I said earlier I, I can't wait for this season to start I, I think it's just going to be 
absolutely intriguing. Yeah, Gary, you know, even before that, I can't wait two weeks from now, just, you know, so fans know in case they hadn't done their homework or looked ahead, you know, on training camp, the Jets are going to come to town a couple weeks early before they play a preseason game against them. And I think that game, so what is today? It's like, the, the, the game's like the 21st or something like that. Yeah. I think it's Saturday the 21st. They'll play the Jets. And that week leading into the game, they'll have, they'll have you know, a couple of practices head-to-head against the Jets. It's always fun to go watch a training camp practice on its own. It, it's 10 times better when there's another opponent. And sure. so my advice to people would be, you know, if, if you're planning a trip to Green Bay, if you want to go to a training camp practice, go and see the Packers and the Jets bang around against each other for a couple of days here in the middle of, in the middle of August. Those are going to be really fun practices leading into that preseason game. Um, you know, Gary, I, I, I'm excited about that. And then, and then much like yourself, this is one of the most intriguing Packers seasons I can remember in a long, long time. Um, so we, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up the next five, six months. All right, partner. Uh, thanks again. Great intel. Love your observations. And I love your opinions, as you well know. And uh, thank you for uh, being with me. And uh, lastly, I want to thank the listeners. Take care, and we'll see you soon. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and Woofle'sPressBox.com. 